text. Um, so Jared, I'm gonna just like kind of host a little kind of fireside chat here with uh, EJ and Jared. So we can just talk about, um, you know, kind of just like what the, uh, you know, as crypto and Web3 investors really like, what are, you know, the, what are we looking for? Um, you know, what, uh, you know, I'll kind of go through a few categories like trends, um, you know, what kind of trends are exciting right now? What are we most excited from an innovations perspective? Uh, strategy, how do we think about investment strategy? Uh, what do we look for in teams and products and tech? So I'll just kind of run through a series of questions and then we'll just keep it open. And if anyone has like, you know, follow-ups, like just jump in. This is not like a, you know, this is super informal, you guys know. So if you want to just like ask a follow-up question, just either like, jump in and do it or raise your hand and I'll use that raise your hand button and I'll just be able to like call on you and get you, bring you up there. So that's another way to do it. Um, Cause if we're flowing, then we might be flowing, but um, yeah, raise your hand or jump in and we'll dig in and have some fun with this whole thing. But really the, the goal here is so you guys can get some perspective on, you know, at least, you know, uh, two, three investors and how they're looking at the space. And hopefully that can help you guys when you think about fundraising. Um, and when you think about your design of your yeah. token and, you know, product strategy, et cetera, some of the points here could be um, relevant. So I think that'll be helpful. Well, great. It's great to meet you all. Uh, I've known Drew for a long time. Fast background on me. Uh, I am at the Chernin Group, which is about a decade-old consumer investment firm founded by Peter Chernin. Um, traditionally, they invest out of a flagship fund, which they're on the third vintage of that fund, about $1.3 billion. That does more late-stage, um, broad consumer. Um, earlier funds, like when it first kicked off, the kind of direction was always try to identify emerging consumer trends that you could invest in early, uh, and then pair that with kind of operational background and expertise as kind of a differentiator as it relates to the founders. Um, so earlier investments that kind of have built TCG's brand, a lot of content to commerce, versatile sports, immediate or crunchy roll, et cetera. Um, they started getting into the Web3 space, I'd say in like 2020, 2021. Um, one of those deals was Zed, which came in through Drew, actually. Um, and we kind of decided that it would be a good opportunity for us to kind of focus um, more directly in this space and um, really wanted to kind of put our energy towards more early stage. So um, we're currently operating out of TCG Crypto Fund One. It's a $120 million vehicle. Uh, to date, we've done about 27 investments. We predominantly lead co-lead uh, that kind of run the gamut across where we see consumer and um kind of focus pretty directly on what we say are like practical and applicable means of kind of web three in broader consumer passions and landscapes. So that's in entertainment, gaming, music, um, education, some B2B to C, things like that. Um, and my background's just pretty diagonal. I was a journalist for a bunch of years in the music business. Uh, accidentally got into media through a Craigslist ad uh, to work at the Huffington Post when it was a blog. Uh, the biggest competitor at that time was like the Drudge Report. It was uh, before the acquisition of AOL. Did that through the acquisition of AOL, did a bunch of different startups, was at the Washington Post overseeing R&D New Ventures, um, founded, a crypt uh, founded a protocol, uh, was the founding CEO back in 2017-18 called Poet, if anyone's familiar with that, trying to put IP on chain um, way too early, but kind of gave me a taste of this space and excited about the space and just excited to be here. Feel happy to answer any questions or go deep on anything that could be of interest to this group. 
Right, no doubt. And Jack, can you talk a little bit about the and some of the investments, just so um, they can get an understanding of like you know of the the twenty seven in the fund, like what kind of companies and yeah, 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 for sure. Um, in the gaming space, um, we led Altered State Machine back in two thousand twenty one. Uh, which has has since rolled up to a um, larger hold co called they're Futureverse. Not, they're now not a gaming company. They're a company for every sector in the entire. Right. Thing. Exactly. Exactly. Like their big thing. Like very, very ironically, their 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 big argument was kind of AI NFTs back in 2021. Yes. Uh, but just the notion that you could kind of train. Um, train certain agents to be able to do things like, you know, we saw during Axie Infinity that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to be able to kind of train and bot uh, certain behaviors and especially in gaming, non-playable characters, so forth. So uh, we invested there in gaming. We've also done um, Immortal Game, which is kind of like a chess platform, Crypto Unicorns, which is more of like a arcade, uh, Curio, um, which is an on-chain gaming studio. So it does the infrastructure and then there's games built on top. A lot of cool things happening there. People building World of Warcraft and other means on-chain. Uh, so a lot of focus there. Um, in music, our direction has always kind of been to really focus on where we think the biggest opportunity is. And that's kind of less on like monetizing music and trying to uh, interrupt like royalties and the existing kind of label type business and more so on the fan side. Like if crypto is inherently transactional and people are spending money in order to get something of value in return, then like who are the companies that are building that means and relationship? So one of our companies, Medallion, um, who just recently raised their next round, really tackled that. Um, My Morning Jacket, Greta Van Fleet, Tyco, Interpol, um, a lot of great bands. Um, are effectively like doing their direct-to-consumer fan clubs on chain now through Medallion. So the benefit of that is quite simple. They allow anyone to sign up through NFTs. Um, it's like a one-to-one -to, -one to be able to get into the community. And then they just traditionally drive users down the funnel. So pre-sale ticketing, you know, to kind of get in front of Ticketmaster, digital merch, physical redeemables, all these different things um, that kind of artists could then do. And you could kind of see that business evolving deeper into sports and other kind of fan-based businesses. Um, and if you believe in digital goods and kind of what's happening there, then there's an interesting kind of like fanatics element to what could happen there. Um, we do virtual stars, metaverse type creators. Um, Hume is one of those. Angel Baby is a very large artist uh, that has been created purely virtual, no human um, behind it at all. And there's kind of a roster of artists that are going to be created through there. Um, and then probably ones that you uh, you all may be familiar with, we led Rabbit Hole, um, which is a company in uh, Churnin's portfolio, Guild, uh, which used to be Agora, but Guild.xyz, uh, On Cyber uh, is another one in our portfolio. Uh, we've gotten very deep, I'd say, over the past like year in payments. So Sphere, um, which is kind of like a stripe for crypto on Solana, Gia, which is doing a lot of um, kind of like collateralized lending uh, in uh, more like third world countries um, and global type countries, Capsule, which is doing embedded wallets and so forth. So um, a lot of different things there. We look a lot at sports. We look a lot at payments, um, entertainment, things like that. But Very cool. Kind of, All right. Thanks, Jack. EJ, want to uh, introduce yourself, buddy? Sure. Yeah. Uh, great to be here. Nice to nice to see everyone. Um, my name is EJ Rogers, co-founder at Fourth Revolution Capital, or 4RC for short. Um, we started in 2020 um, 
and kind of came from, from a different direction. My, my co-founder and I worked in traditional finance, uh, went to college together, worked in, worked in the same asset management shop out of school and, um, you know, became kind of interested in, in crypto while we were in college, trading Bitcoin early days, Ethereum ICO era, investing in a lot of the early blue chip, DeFi blue chips. Um, and ended up leaving that job to, to start 4RC kind of amongst the chaos of, of DeFi summer back in 2020. Um, so our, our mandate was originally, um, you know, we, we, we see Web3 networks and incentive mechanisms and decentralized computing as the digital infrastructure that'll power the fourth industrial revolution. Um, so early on, how that translated was uh, we, we were focused on DeFi um, and any sort of infrastructure that was making DeFi more scalable, more accessible, more usable. Um, and then uh, over time, uh, you know, as, as AI has kind of come onto the scene, we've made some inv early investments in some of the open source AI players, Stability AI being the most name brand recognizable. Um, so kind of stuck to the same mandate throughout, but as far as our deployment, we've always tried to be nimble in terms of sector. Um, our, our thesis there is just basically that the space is growing and evolving so quickly that pigeonhole, trying to pigeonhole into one specific vertical is, is almost a futile effort in such a nascent industry. So we're kind of more focused on the meta level. Does the does the Web three strategy make sense for uh, this business model? And then kind of back into where we want to where we want to back founders from there. Um, predominantly, though, deployment out of our first fund, like I said, DeFi infrastructure, gaming and entertainment, uh, media, and then the open source AI angle that's now starting to kind of converge more directly with Web three through decentralized compute and inference, ZKML, and some of these crossover use cases that we think uh, is really going to democratize access to these extremely powerful you know, AI tools that we're seeing with the birth of ChatGPT and the like. So, Yep, no doubt about it. And do you want to mention any specific companies that you guys have invested in just to, to bring some names to, um, to the table so people are aware? Sure, yeah. Um, we, let's see, uh, we... Our first investment in the fund was we, we led the Barnbridge round, which I don't know how many how many yeah. people have been crypto around crypto long enough to know the story there, which was kind of a of a DeFi darling for a period, um, and ran into some, some tougher luck in in recent years due to regulatory crackdown. But that that's kind of how how we cut our teeth as a fund, which was which has been quite a an up and down experience. Um, we invested in. EPNS or push the notification service. So that's kind of along the lines of the infrastructure, uh, accessibility. Mm -hmm. uh, we also were in um, ASM and then Silo, which is a decentralized comms platform that was part of the Futureverse rollup that Jared mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, we're invested in some real world assets, stuff like Invenium that brings, on, brings data on chain for commercial real estate assets, to try to basically make those more liquid, more transparency. Um, just to kind of bring the whole asset class on chain and allow it to be interoperable with DeFi in general. Mm -hmm. uh, on the gaming side, we've invested in Nor or Eternal Return, um, Planet Mojo. Um, let's see, uh, Midnight Society, Jungle, Super Gaming, mm -hmm. Dead, uh, Dead Drop. The Doctor Disrespect game is is maybe what people would have heard of out of Midnight Society. On the media side, we're investors in NFT Now, which is just rebranded to Now Media. Mm -hmm. um, 
a company called Myth that actually just came out of stealth that's building a Web3 adjacent creator um, creator fan engagement platform. So kind of think of it like OnlyFans PG-13, but for, you know, for people that are art, yep. musical artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jack, they did their job there. They kind of came out of stealth after Jack, Jack Harlow is uh, the first creator to activate on their platform. And he had a, a performance on the Thanksgiving Day game, game and they came out of stealth after that. So hopefully we'll be hearing more from them in the media. Um, Civitas in the gaming side. Then Stater, which is a liquid staking. Um, Matter Labs, ZK Sync on the infra to the, the L2. That's that's now ZK, ZK Sync era. Um, so, you know, we, 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 we span like a pretty wide range ZK, in terms of... ZK just had that big deal with Pudgy. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, I think they're they're shaping up extremely, extremely well heading into 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, done ZK Lend on Starknet, the primary money market there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we 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 span a pretty wide range, like I said, of sectors, and tried to be pretty nimble um, in our our concentration of investment over the you know three year duration of the fund now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think you know headed into headed into twenty twenty four, we're seeing a I think you know the first the first set of great Web three games or or to be seen how great they are, but fully fleshed out went through games are set to go live. So I think we see a lot of opportunity on the tooling for users to kind of inter- to, to have like an easier access to these games, um, shared leaderboards, asset management, um, social components on top of the games. And then on the DeFi side, uh, finally, the confluence of real world assets and the fundamental building blocks on Web3 coming into this period of maturity. Um, is probably going to set the stage for an entire new round of of innovation there, um, as well as something like uh, Membrane, which is another portfolio company of ours that does settlement and clearing for uh, lending, borrowing, a lot of OTC type of activity that you might see between big traditional funds that want or firms that want to participate in the space but don't really have the infrastructure or tooling that they would with traditional assets. Yep. So, and then obviously the you know the, the open source AI and Web three crossover piece is is probably what we're what we're most excited about. Okay, that, that actually lends itself perfectly to what I was just about to ask. So, like, um, well, and also before I even move on to that, um, Jared, so you, you know, have you touched on gaming a bunch? Like, I know you've talked a little bit about gaming. Are you guys still very active in the gaming space? Because it sounds like you had a bunch of deals in gaming, and knowing that you guys are very consumer focused, is has gaming been a big focus for you? Yeah, yeah, no, we've spent uh we've spent a lot of time in gaming. I I actually think we're in RPD together. Um, yep. Um, yes. And, um, yeah. So on my team, Jonathan, um, who goes by JMO, Jonathan Moore yep. kind of goes really deep onto the gaming side. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say we've, um, we've kind of like spread it out a bit, like as it relates to gaming, like there's some areas, like a lot of, a lot of our investment criteria for consumer, mm-hmm. um, has kind of become even more polarized with kind of how we think about two specific divisions. Like we've always kind of looked at um, kind of like a barbell framework where on one side, uh, there's a heavy crypto native audience that is familiar and excited to leverage the technology and the tooling. And there's, you know, a market there. And on the other side, it's really 
crypto more so on the edges. Um, and I'd say over the past, obviously, like based on markets as well, like over the past year, that's even bifurcated <laughs> even further. So yeah. uh, our gaming kind of like sits on both sides of that as well. Um, and I think it's like TBD, what we see really start to catch. Like on one side, there's companies like Immortal, which, you know, went to market as like a Web3 gaming chess platform, which has since kind of mm -hmm. softened a bit on that. Um, mainly due to um kind of their customer clientele like they found that when they first went out into market acquisition looked really high uh, as it related to users um but those users were kind of expecting things outside of just playing playing chess um and you know they had to kind of be a bit you know from their perspective more mindful of kind of like the customer that they're looking to attract at this stage of their business um I'd say at first we thought that that was kind of like the area that would be more interesting. Like as we think about like Web3 going more mainstream and, you know, the narrative around that, I'd say over the past two years. Um, but a lot of gravitation has kind of gone to the other side. You know, as I mentioned, Curio has been a fantastic like use case of what on-chain gaming looks like and what the foundational structure of kind of companies building on top of that should be leveraging and using. And uh, even though kind of, I'd say that that user base is smaller right now, um, it's more rabid or who's higher. And, you know, there's a lot of like more interest kind of in that, in that arena. And I put crypto unicorns there as well. Um, Altered State Machine, to your point, has really started like doing like a bunch across the board. So, um, you know, kind of they've oscillated, I'd say a bit back and forth, but yeah, gaming, gaming has been a big focus um we've looked at a lot of the companies uh too that ej has mentioned that are fantastic midnight society so forth i think those mm -hmm. companies could really be the ones that bring uh that bring a lot of this kind of closer to the mainstream side spent a lot of time in gambling i'd consider in game two yeah. um very crowded space <laughs> for sure mm -hmm. um with kind of like a lot of rules and logistics around it um but for sure i mean i think crypto inherently is a game i think anyone who's been trading on the Solana hype right now or getting interested in Bonk <laughs> just feels how fun that could be. So it is it is inherently native to um you know any experience that's being built within crypto. But I think like even more so you're going to see a lot more energy. Um XP as such a direct correlation to you know crypto incentives and token gaming and stuff like oh, that. So oh, um oh, you know oh. I think it's a great I think it's a great arena that'll yeah. just somebody yeah, just curious, like what what your guys' thoughts are on like the rise of casual gaming. I mean, it takes a lot to build like a game, especially like what Futureverse and others are building. Like, it takes many millions of dollars and many months and even years of development. But when you think of like consumer applications, especially that are you know B more B to B to C, that kind of are in that bleeding edge of you know Web two, Web three, Web two point five. Um, I see a rise of casual games being a great way to go to market, build a community, and ultimately drive top uh top of the funnel user acquisition do you guys share that same view or do you think uh maybe like the roi is just not there yet for like hyper casual gaming and you know tying nfts into you know ua um I, i'll just give, give my thoughts quickly and then open it up I, I think there's kind of two ways to, to look at that depending on what the specific use case you're after is but um from one side i would say if I think our our original our original move into gaming was basically the premise that what DeFi the DeFi that we all like came into crypto through was basically a game, and that Web three games could really just be 
DeFi yield farming it with, with a more engaging UI and skin. And I think mm-hmm. that's what you would basically equate something like an Axie to. Um, so there's certainly like proof in the pudding that there is value to be captured there. Um, but when you think about like tokenize when I when I think of easy, you know, the, the basic like easy, easy user acquisition game and you're talking about, I'm thinking like Candy Crush, something along those lines. I, I don't know how how much of a hook there is for Web3. I mean, you strap a token onto something, people are probably going to want to use it in the early days and they think they can make money, just like what we're seeing on Solana right now. Like, are these real users or not? Most likely not in, in many cases. Yeah. Um, but, you know, do you, do you retain value over time? I, I just think that unless you have some engaging way to continue to use the assets that you're earning in the game, other than just like you're earning them through yield farming and then selling them, um, there's probably not a whole lot of, there's not, not a lot of like room to run there, I suppose. Um, you have to have like more to the, the loop and the experience and have it be a little bit more multifaceted for, for there to be a reason to want to like pull the booster NFT or some sort, earn some sort of status NFT, mm-hmm. um, rather than just that, that goes beyond like the, the basic loop of a simple game, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, to, uh, opposing viewpoints, like I said, but maybe it could be applied depending on. You know what what it is that that you guys are thinking of of integrating in, in your own ecosystem you know it actually lends itself well so i was going to start to move on i know a lot, all like a lot of the teams here are all working on on their their design of their token right now they're thinking a lot about tokenomics and and token economies etc can you guys talk a little bit um uh about how you evaluate tokenomics for a crypto project like how you know what are some of the elements that stand out that you're looking for when you when you're when a startup that you want to invest in is working on or preparing for their native token or has a native token or is in the process of launching one you'll be getting a warrant or you know maybe you're buying otc whatever that might be can you talk a little bit about what what are the things that stand out what are the top priorities for you to look at when you're thinking about the tokenomics maybe jd start we'll go to ej next yeah um yeah, this is definitely not advice, by the way. <laughs> um, but just like perspective. Um yeah, perspectives. I mean, I think I think to the point that EJ was saying, like, I mean, is a lot of the group doing gaming? Is this like a gaming? No, there it's no. it's all over the it's so I mean, and we should that's actually an interesting point. We could uh kind of let everyone introduce what they're doing. Before. Yeah, I was gonna ask if we could do that quickly. So um, we yeah, we'll, we could, yeah, we could yeah. definitely do that. You know what? Let's do a quick let's do a quick break on that. Um, if you guys want to just hop in, um, Eric, you want to just quickly introduce what you're doing? Just, uh, just do a quick yeah, one. my name is Eric Ashtermecki. I'm the founder of Travel Swap. We're an Expedia partner that can natively accept crypto from hotel bookings and travel products. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Chris, hey guys, uh, yeah, Chris Koziak, co-founder of Open Ads Protocol. We're doing on on-chain ads is the short form of that. How's it going? I'm Jackie I'm with the uh, the Truth Team. We're building out Meme Depot, a place where folks can make, um, organize, and monetize their memes. Marguerite, hey guys, Marguerite here. Um, what we do is we are a no code, uh, immersive design tool that uses generative AI for uh, creating worlds. So, like worlds that you could use in level design or in game making. Awesome, perfect. So. Lot those various different use cases, various different yeah. points, very but all thinking about how a native token can uh, kind of enable their ecosystem in various and unique ways. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, um, I would say like pretty high level. I think an issue as it relates to like customer, 
Well, one, I think a lot of crypto companies focus a lot on the acquisition side. And I think what we found is that the retention side is just like the really, the really hard work. Like that sounds obvious, but um, uh, that's why I think you see so many peaks and valleys of these companies that have launched uh, and have gone away. Like a lot of the incentives have really been top of funnel. Crypto has been put kind of at the forefront there. And a lot of companies I've seen like have limited um, their ability to drive interest from like a broader set of users. And in my opinion, um, whether it's crypto tokens or like the kind of like the newfound incentives um, are really powerful bottom of the funnel type mechanics. So that's just one thing to kind of think about is that um, crypto being an incentive mechanism uh Again, many times people think about putting that more so on the forefront, but I think the mechanics of having that be a heavy focus of why users stay and why they remain interested is important because so many projects in this space traditionally have built uh, mechanisms where like the incentive to get out is just like way better than the incentive to stay in. So, you know, many of your users are just waiting for things to top or, you know, the ability to kind of sell or take advantage. And if you're trying to build, you know, durable businesses that, um, you know, that's inherently the opposite of kind of like what you're really looking to do. I'd say like, so that kind of like goes in line with like how we think about things. Like we really try to think about how, you know, tokens or these incentives could be value add and tools to kind of keep people within the ecosystem and interested within the ecosystem. It's funny because I think what you're seeing with points, um, there's many like um, points of view around what's happening with points right now. But I think like that, uh, I think like the crux of it is really trying to focus on that as well, which is, um, you know, if if you're doing tokens and you're doing airdrops, like you may like there's an argument that you may be attracting the same sort of people when you're doing points. But I think the idea is that you could basically leverage what people are earning and building within this ecosystem within the ecosystem itself to kind of keep people in and keep people interested. So I think like that's a that's a very big dynamic, I think, to be leveraged here. Um, and like the blueprint's been written multiple times, right? Like you see loyalty, you see um, in social, it's been engagement and the ability to like build your profile and not want to give up on your profile. Um, but those are things that I think remain interesting. I think where there's challenges and there's like companies we've seen do this as well, um, especially in payments, is that when your token is like a native currency, it just creates a lot of obstacles around, um, you know, who's going to use it, who's going to take it, who wants to take advantage of it and so forth. Zed is a great example of this too, where, um, you know, they've in the beginning kind of like had iterations of the token, but then have really thought about XP, keeping people in, being able to have people earn rewards, stake, um, you know, against one another. So I think it's an amazing tool. Um, and I think that's like, the crux of it is that, you know, it's an amazing way to kind of retain and keep people engaged. And we also like a lot of the companies, I'd say out of the 27 that we've done, I'm going to, I'm probably going to be off here, but I'd say maybe like 15% have an active token. All of them have a token warrant yeah. um, for the most part. And, you know, we kind of work with them to think about like where it makes sense and how it makes sense. Of course, like I probably don't have to tell this group, like, there's a lot of things to consider around regulation, where you do it, US, non-US. So, you know, I'd strongly encourage you all to kind of think through that too, um, you know, as you're as you're planning this out. Yeah. Um, similar, I'll borrow Jared's preface, no, no legal advice, et cetera. But uh, just to double click on the on the structuring piece that uh, 
that, that you kind of mentioned and Jared ended his spiel there with. I think the, you know, we've seen a lot of different structures and formation structures over the course of Forest's existence and, and totally agree that the prevailing um, favorite and, and what we prefer is the safe plus token warrant structure. Um, for, for one thing, the basic staffed, like more archaic version is it, it's, it's really not, it's not beneficial for the founding team or for the investor in our view now, um, for, for two reasons. Uh, it, it essentially kind of forces, it, it puts the token launch timeline under unnecessary timeline, under unnecessary constraints time-wise. Um, and it also creates a scenario where if, if something changes in the business model and maybe your company or project becomes a target that could be acquired or integrated into something that's more web 2.5 or web 2 na- native, it basically either entirely eliminates that possibility or incredibly complicates uh, the, the way that that deal might be structurally performed or underwritten if there's a token in the mix. So the safe plus warrant structure allows much more flexibility on timing, which, which Jared mentioned, like working with founding teams to figure out when the product is at the right point that it can stand on its own two feet, but the token can reinforce those incentive mechanisms to help bootstrap growth and keep users engaged and feel like they have a pseudo kind of equity ownership upside stake in the platform, both with their own you know time, attention, and capital, and then bringing others in through referrals. Um, but it also, for something like a game studio, allows allows you to have have uh, stake in both the entity itself and the token. So if there was to be a case where a studio maybe spun out multiple labels and the second one turned out to be the hit, um, a SAFT investor in game one would kind of be out of luck there. So it just doesn't really like align the the vision in the same way that it was maybe prophesized to in the early days. So um, that's that's kind of our perspective on the safe plus token warrant seems to be the, the best option at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as what we look for in a token, uh, I kind of just mentioned it, but but to to zoom into it a little bit deeper, um, we're huge believers in in tokens. We kind of started the fund under the mandate that we weren't going to invest in anything that didn't have a token or plans for it. We've pivoted away from that a little bit as the scope has has broadened and some business models like you know we're invested in a, a crypto tax software. Like there's no reason to have have a token there, right? You can do some sort of like loyalty program and give a discount or a rebate for for referrals or whatever the case may be without needing a token there. But uh, we're definitely very partial to it. And we see the value from um, drawing in new interests, keeping users engaged, um, novel kind of like staking mechanics that create token sinks to reduce supply out in the ecosystem while still having emissions on the other side of the house that can allow new entrants. So you don't just have like a concentration amongst early investors and founders. Um, but I think that the key thing that we look for is like, is the token multifaceted in creating a marketplace between two parties, like two sides of the of a marketplace? So a consumer and a supplier, whether that is DeFi with someone that needs to that you need liquidity and you need people that want to borrow that liquidity, or whether that is, you know, compute to run AI models, like you have providers of GPUs, then you have consumers of the GPU, right? And and users that want to take the outputs of these models. So a token to facilitate interaction between that ecosystem in a more seamless way. 
um, well, kind of maintaining, keeping value inside of the ecosystem. And, and again, back to the safe plus token warrant thing, I think the timing of when to launch the token is, is really essential. Getting the product to a place that it has interest on its own. And the token is the thing that really like kicks growth into hyperdrive as opposed to leading with it as the only reason that someone comes to the platform, which tends to be, you know, all roads lead to very ugly looking chart that trends down to zero. So, um, huge advocates of, of tokens and, and, you know, that, that sort of is like the fundamental belief of 4RC is that a lot of different networks are going to become tokenized in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the caveat that it has to be intelligently thought about in terms of its design and its deployment time relative to the protocol of project's growth. So, okay. So can you talk a little bit about, like we've talked, I've heard a lot about incentives, incentives aligning for tokens as like, it seems like both of you guys have brought that up as like one of the key features of a token at this point is the, is the incentive to drive adoption. Now, like when I think of that, I, I actually tend to think like when a token is focused, when a token's use case is incentivizing natural participation or natural engagement on a platform, it kind of is like a signal to me that like, there's a product challenge. There's like a product problem. Because like if if a token is the reason people are using a product, which is actually my number one challenge with play to earn games right now, is that it's not play and earn, it's play to earn because the games aren't good enough. So a lot of like the product experiences, the games, these things, the token is being used to kind of like satisfy, like in, to like support or be a crutch for an experience that's probably just not good enough at this current point. Can we talk a little bit maybe about like the actual utility of a token? And beyond it being an incentive, how have you seen or have you come across any interesting use cases or functions that a token provides that enhances the user experience in some form or factor or or in it or evolves the ecosystem in some way or de- further de- you know or leans into decentralization or you know how does like have you seen any other functions of a token that have provided natural utility that evolved a product in a way? Yeah, I mean, I'd say absolutely. I mean, I wanted to just, um, I'll get into this, but I wanted to double click on what EJ said, because I think what his point, his point around like how you structure your company, set up and market it is going to have repercussions later, more so than ever. Um, And we're going through that right now too, where there's a lot of companies that even raised off like a saft um, and there's interested investor parties that now want to get involved and they can't invest in that sort of um in that sort of entity so they're going back to equity so Mm. just like double click there i do think that that is an important thing to consider especially like when i heard the companies that y'all are launching like i do think that it is very feasible to kind of go to market with the safe plus token warren type structure and get out there i think think everyone here is pretty much on that same trajectory yeah it's very yeah i think i think it's smart like i think like a year two years ago it's a different conversation but i think being mindful of that is 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 very important because although although i will say joe like this this there's a little bit of like a in the last probably two months i'd say there's been a shift a little bit where i think that people are starting to look for otc deals now as opposed to like everyone was really focusing on hey don't we don't want you to have a token in market for the last year and right. a half 
like focus on your product experience and then go to token, I'm starting to see a little shift back to, hey, this the market's now there for a token again. We're looking to buy liquid tokens. You know, there's a, that's also yeah. a big difference is that there's sometimes a a lighter for an investor. There's also a lighter um, potentially a lighter lockup period and a faster path to liquidity if we're talking about an OTC deal as opposed to uh, a safe sure. warrant. So, you know, just yeah, just a little nuance there. But. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I think it's like also hard to, it's hard to predict what your progress will look like. But, oh. you know, if you're, if you're a travel company, if you're doing ad tech and you could see a linear path to like index exchange being interested or Google or so forth, like I think it's important to be um, mm-hmm. a bit mindful of that too because you wouldn't want to stunt you know, I think I think like to go back to the question that you asked, I think, you know, token, a lot of token incentives are still figuring themselves out. I think there would be a lot more interesting examples, but, you know, you need to kind of structure against the regulatory environment and so forth. So, like, you need to kind of be mindful um, to be mindful of those things and what's actually needed and where it fits in. That's why I think you see a lot of companies that aren't doing it just for liquidity, but are actually thinking about like what are the meaningful applications are like, there's a lot of discussions that I'm having with existing portfolio companies right now with what that token looks like. And they're, you know, a year or two, maybe three years kind of into their development and really see an obvious use case to how value could kind of accrue, um, you know, accrue to a more native token. Um, But yeah, like great. I mean, like in terms of like great examples, like I do think like it goes back to like the value accrual perspective, which is, you know, what are the incentives of why people want to, engage and leverage this token and then what does this token unlock that could be unique i think that's why like a year and a half ago a lot of the discussion was like why tokens just do nfts because i think the idea that nfts are so related to your kind of like identity on a platform and can be built tied to that identity on the platform started to become a lot more interesting to how people are kind of building reputation and purpose of of how they're leveraging that but tokens have since kind of come back um but I think it differs. I think in gaming, there's, you know, a more interesting kind of like angle for how that works. I think you've seen it, you know, in ad tech early days, like my company Poet had this sister company called um, Madhive back in the day, which was, um, you know, your participation earned you tokens, you know, um, essentially like engaging with ads to then be redeemed for some sort of credits. And, you know, there's obviously markets are then created around that um, as well. But, uh, you know, the... I think the difficulty with tokens outside of regulation so far has just been this notion of airdrops, why people are leveraging them. Again, the incentive to get out is, you know, greater than the incentive to stay in. But you've seen great examples of this kind of on the L1s, L2s, and how that kind of feeds back into kind of building a more cohesive type ecosystem. And, um, you know, you kind of see those things flourish. I think that could happen on the app layer as more... um, as more users start to get familiar and get excited about it, embeddable wallets, I think, start to open that up. I think like people, people better understanding kind of like why these things are leveraged versus just trying to get liquidity on them will be important. But I think in certain categories, you'll see it happen a lot faster, you know, finance, uh, gaming, things like that. Makes sense. EJ. Yeah. Um, Totally agree with just like an interesting, I guess like, yeah, I'm just kind of a double tapping a little bit on this whole, like, yeah, innovation, engagement, like, you know, experience on token. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Jared did a great job of covering like the preliminary incentive draw there. Um, the the thing that I would add, I guess that is, is, is kind of like, and I think what you're getting at Drew is what, what do you do with the token after the fact that you've earned it, whether it's, you know, D5 subsidies or whether it's play 
play to earn, play and earn. Like, okay, you have the token now. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. On a basic level, you can you can have things like you know payment for payment for upgrades in game for status upgrades. You can have like tiered structures where if you retain or stake a certain amount of the token, it entitles you to premier perks on the on the application or discounts on the service or you know multipliers on whatever the type of whatever the type of user behavior your your product or platform kind of relies on uh and then also i think a big one that we see in terms of like the the next gen of what governance actually looks like for applications that are more wide spanning than just DeFi. uh i guess i'd call it curation so maybe being able to kind of direct like what the next phase of a game's development, a new map or game mode that you'd like to see, a new uh, new tournament type, right? And and then only being only certain level of token holders or NFT holders that were only able to purchase that NFT if they add above a certain token balance, uh, have like a stronger voice in kind of dict as as obviously larger stakeholders in the platform, uh, have a have a louder voice as to where you take the product next. And really creating this like ownership economy mindset where you, you go from users to active advocates and champions of your product or service. That's where we think uh, you know tokens are going to play a pivotal role in, in, in the next phase here. Okay, cool. Let's um let's talk a little bit about the go to market for a token. You know, I think that like Bonk was a very fascinating one recently that I thought, you know, them supplying to the ecosystem and then like even look at the example with the Solana phone, for example, people are now finally buying the Solana phone because they realize it comes with Bonk and what was was $50 is now covering the entire price of the phone and then some. (laughs) So like there are a lot of really, I actually bought one yesterday just to, just to fucking fuck around and see what happens. Uh, (laughs) This was a FAFO move. Fuck around, find out with the Solana phone. Um, But, um, but let's talk a little bit about the go to market for a token. Like what are your thoughts on distribution and you know, how, what is the, have you seen any interesting nuance uh, approaches to go to market? Um, You know, how do you think about building the community, especially for products like these, you know, travel, you know, you know, ads, these are not, you know, not all necessarily traditional community driven businesses, but in web three, almost everything's community oriented. So you really almost have to think about community in ways that you haven't thought about it um, in the past in some capacities. So let's talk a little bit about go to market for a token. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I like I think I think some of the more recent examples that I like is like, um, I mean, I thought what Jito did, um, you know, on the airdrop again, that's, um, you know, up for discussion, <laughs> like in terms of like um, how that was deployed and how much was deployed. But I like I like the relationship between companies that are rewarding users based on products, applications that they're building on top of an existing protocol. Like, I think you see it with like MarginFi and others where you can kind of like stake your soul um you know there's again going back to like a lot of like what's happened on d5 but being able to kind of execute those things there's just a direct correlation to why it makes sense um for uh the consumer to kind of come in stake certain things and then get rewarded for doing that like you are in fact enhancing the ecosystem in a certain way and i like that um i like token launches and distributions that keep things within kind of the existing ecosystem versus people kind of like quickly getting out. Like, I feel like ENS kind of ran into that problem where people didn't necessarily know, um, you know, 
what the ENS tokens were really going to do. There was the voting mechanism and things around that. But of course, ENS as a platform, while still large, uh, people didn't value kind of that ownership and delegation as much as, you know, uh, they valued again liquidity from those sort of things. So I think um I think like the correlation between certain products and applications is very important and interesting when you're going out to market. Um but I also think it like really needs to kind of answer the question like why like it's all a factor of timing, like why these things really matter and when. Um I think that point was made earlier that like that timing is very important. I think timing is actually really important because um you know, distributing too early. And if you look at kind of the history of that could really, you know, hinder your development and your market share. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's things like, you know, Doge and Bonk that just go parabolic. And I think they're amazing memes on the fact of like people challenging the crypto financial system. But then you look at the existing financial system and it's just, you know, a great, a great meta meme, um, in general. So, um, I do again, like I am, I'm very, um, I'm a strong advocate of tokens. I think, across the board, when you think about shared ownership of certain companies, people having the ability to manage that, you look at so many IPOs that pop up, fall flat. Um, and I think there's definitely a better system for that. And, you know, it's just taking time to kind of figure that out. But as long as it kind of correlates and makes sense and drives value, I think like being able to structure and set that up makes sense. I think what you're seeing with points is just an interesting thing to follow. I think what Workcast did is very Interesting example of that. You just saw Rainbow, um, you know, uh, take their. Are you, take you their talking step. About the, are you talking about the points with Farcaster or Rainbow? So both. So like, like what Farcaster did with Warp um, is, I think, really interesting on like points where they're kind of like non, non-financial type oh, incentives. Okay. Yeah. But people, I think deep down, people still presume that there's an airdrop to come. <laughs> um, but I, you're I, kind I, of seeing I, that with, yeah, yeah, with Rainbow too. But you know, there are. It is like. I think the one thing to learn with crypto is like constantly be hyper aware because people are experimenting with these things in real time and you kind of see totally. how how the how the market uh you know responds. But I think there's a lot of innovative ways to think through it. Well, just really quickly on your on your point with the point with points and like points really give teams the ability to buy time, right? So maybe you do maybe you're you're experimenting with the token, but you're not sure how that might look using and I push all the teams to explore a points model if they have a B to C connection is to experiment with points and, and have that ability to, you know, create like a soft economy with a soft token to to then see like how these actions change and user behaviors change with this point system. And obviously we're seeing that at mass scale with, you know, your mention of Rainbow and now um, Farcaster, yeah. but it's a great way to buy time. Yeah. 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 And it's like very prominent in gaming. I mean, I like, I have twin boys and we play you know mostly like sports games on playstation but the whole like the whole like ethos of xp like you spend so much money in order to purchase points within games i mean it's not far off so i think i think the real truth about it is is like your application has to matter and i think as i think we're getting that over the course of this next cycle like there's a lot of companies i mean even in this group we're talking about travel ad tech so forth um as these things start to matter more then you know, these incentive mechanisms will also matter more. Another big pocket, and I'll stop on this, is that I think people want on-chain data to be very important. And I was like one of the first people to be like so yeah. um, obsessed with on-chain data and the importance of on-chain data. And the truth is that I think a lot of like on-chain data today just doesn't correlate to people's personal identity. I think they treat it more like cash. You spin up a wallet, you'll use it, you'll spend it. People get airdrop things in their wallet. It's not a reflection of someone's identity but i think as more apps and experiences are being built that actually 
are very interesting to users, then that data does actually start to become important. And then I think those incentive mechanisms become important points, you know, tokens, so forth become important. So I think there's like a lot of work to do and it's a chicken and the egg, but we're edging closer and closer. EJ, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I, th- I think um, to tie together the points and the, you know, buying time and then the timing of when to launch a token and how to kind of engage the community that way. I think what I think that's that's a great observation, and, and how we're looking at that is you can basically uh, have a real live like test bed of what you, using these points as as Jared mentioned, basically like a unspoken proxy for expected token emissions at a certain point via airdrop or you know what the yield farming program is going to look like post TG. You can actually sort of see like which user behaviors are generating revenue or, or value for your product or service, and then kind of tweak the way that you go from points to tokens based on that data, right? Like you could figure out, does it bring us more value to, you know, have people borrowing and lending, incentivize that, or to use some sort of like looped product that, you know, Margin Fire or Camino or one of these new Solana protocols is offering, and then tailor how you're, how you're structuring the token emissions to more optimized to drive value to the platform that you can then capture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pairing that with a unique staking mechanic that like we've seen some interesting things where kind of like a spin on the VE curve model where you maybe earn a greater stake in both voting and in, in staking earnings by staking over a longer duration of time. So there's a decay function for unstaking and potentially selling earlier. So you're creating more of a long-term sync there rather than it just being like the, the old school week to week epoch. Everyone's, you know, you can just go in and buy a million of the tokens and earn a bunch for a week and then get out and sell the whole thing. And you're no, you're no worse off than someone who's been sitting in the pool for mm-hmm. 15 weeks. Right. Like so creating, creating kind of a time weighted mechanism that, amplifies your earnings as as a token holder but then also creates a direct like you know psychological incentive to stay in for longer and actively participate in the platform for longer it is a huge hook uh, to kind of have in place imminently upon actually launching the token mm-hmm. I got okay so I got two questions here I'm gonna try to ru- uh, run through them quickly one um when you th- when you guys see token distributions uh because i know a lot of these guys are thinking about how the what the appropriate way to set out structure their token distribution is like what do you think normal that you guys see in terms of cap table or what as investors what are you looking for in terms of like the, the warrant for token or how how the tokens are designed like obviously there's always like you don't want too much going you want more to the community but then you also need enough for like do you have any like preferences or things that you've found commonplace or you know things that they should just be aware of that could be red flags that you've seen in terms of um how tokens could be uh structured in terms of their like distribution model anything come to mind I mean, I'd say I'm like a probably the not the best person to ask this to. Like a lot of our a lot of our co- like as I mentioned, like I think like 10-15% of our companies have have, have existing tokens and we're like starting to have conversations around it. Um, but like TCG as a firm, I'd say we like we're like mindful of it and spend time in it, but we're I'd say like there's a lot smarter people around the table mm-hmm. um you know in in kind of our relationships that help drive that mm-hmm. but um very high level like the things that you mentioned i think are important like identifying community value is very important right um you see so many of these things launch that um 
kind of point back to the investors having, you know, a significant, um, you know, a significant allotment, which of course kind of causes issue with community and the incentives overall. Um, we've actually been in a couple deals um, where we've kind of like purposefully extended our lockup um, <laughs> because, because of um, just because of like community feedback um, around like, is the product there? What's happening with the market investor, like concern yeah. about investors getting liquidity too early. Um, so it's definitely something like I'd say the community is very smart. Um, as it relates to this, you know, they've, uh, you know, they've kind of been within it and, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how helpful that is, but mm -hmm. EJ, any, any quick points there? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think numerically speaking, you know, you, you tend to see the, the, the best outcomes come from, you know, the 60 to 70% bucket for some combination of different future community airdrop, future community rewards, liquidity incentives, things of that nature. And then like the 30 to 40% bucket between the founding team for contributors, investors, and advisors. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the old school way of thinking was probably that like the larger that second bucket became, the more like decidedly negative the sentiment was. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that we now see that a little bit differently. Happy to see a larger share of the pie going to the core team as long as the, the lockup and the vest on it align the team to be you know in it for the long haul so maybe it's a longer cliff than the other participants maybe it's a more drawn out investing schedule i think every community member and investor is happy to give up like a bigger piece of the pie to ensure mm -hmm. that the team remains engaged and has like as much skin in the game as possible for as long a time as possible got it okay well here's another question in terms of like when you're looking at new startups for investment purpose you know Web3 is very different in terms of traction and adoption and engagement and things, some of the like the KPIs that are standard that we look at in every other business. Um, there's just a different nuance. I mean, especially over the last you know year and a half when there was 10,000 people using crypto in general in the entire whole market. Like what was the, what do you guys look at in terms of early stage signals that help you to make decisions on whether you want to invest in a given com um, company? Um, are there certain KPIs you're looking at, certain signals you're looking at that stand out to you? Um, have certain things shifted since the market's evolved? Can you talk to me a little about KPIs and what you're looking at there? Yeah, I mean, we um I'd say like one big thing has been, you know, I think a lot of um I think a lot of firms like lean on their expertise and what they know. But what I found that um at least like for what we look at is like we we are very mindful that we're not kind of the expert in the like the best expert in the arenas that the founders are looking to tackle. And I think that that's very important mm -hmm. um, because I think uh, especially for what we look for is like really understanding kind of the industry that you're looking to approach becomes increasingly important as you continue to move through that. And I think as investors, we could always be helpful, like kind of being a partner, working through it helping with product, um, you know, helping with partnerships and relationships, but these businesses are really driven, really driven by the founders, their expertise and their, you know, deep understanding of kind of the market they're looking to tackle and what they could do. So for me, that's been increasingly like something that we look for, um, you know, background of founders, what they've done, how they think about things, if it's unique. Um, we keep that kind of within our vantage point of purview of like where we, you know, obviously are convicted where we see certain markets going. Um, but that's a huge, um, that's a huge thing as well. Um, a lot of the founders like really deeply 
either themselves being deeply technical or having strong technical foundations, I think are very, very, very important. Um, the agility of being able to kind of adapt based on market conditions is very important in this space too. Um, but it really is like, I think a lot of it's around, you know, founder energy, excitement around certain spaces and, you know, our, uh, our confidence in thinking about how we could support them in order to do that kind of, to kind of the best of our ability. EJ. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, you know, uh, to the point of agility, uh, that, that's really a huge thing that we look for. So we, we want to see someone that's, or, or a team that has a unique, uh, perspective and a unique outlook on how they're pursuing, like a mastery over the sector and a unique perspective and, and a kind of rational thought process as to why the approach is what it is at the time of the pitch. But while also exhibiting, you know, the, the overall mastery of the kind of opportunity being more important than the exact product design necessarily, just given that, you know, as, as we've mentioned throughout, like the space is so, is so early still and so so it's evolving so rapidly that the problem space might entirely change based on like the next you know the next big trend so being able to just kind of demonstrate um the the process by which the team has come to the conclusion that this you know this approach this product is the right thing right now but more so like understanding fundamentally the space that they're playing in to be able to be responsive uh, and not so married to like the exact idea of, of yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a delicate balance, but I think it's probably the most valuable thing in, in a nascent industry like ours. Anyone have any final thoughts, uh, EJ? Um, any like final thoughts for some new startups coming up into the game, entering the crypto space, going to be raising funding, launching tokens? Any final thoughts? Exciting time to be, exciting time to be doing it. Um, I hope I hope everyone here has survived the has survived the schlag of the bear and is is feeling <laughs> feeling ready to rock. Feels like we're we're entering uh, getting gearing up to enter a new golden area here. So, um, really? yeah, congrats to you all, and excited to see what comes out of the, this cohort here. No doubt, no doubt, Jared. What about you, buddy? Yeah, no, same. Like I think um, I think uh, as as volatile as this like pocket a market like web3 crypto feels it's also extremely predictable um and that like to kind of echo that sentiment like i feel it's a great time to kind of be launching markets or, or sorry yep. launching new companies and products in market um what i'd say is like the most important thing at the end is like being able to build something that people are going to use and want to use i think in this space there's a lot of distractions around which chain you're on um you know conversations around like decentralization or not and i think the reality of it is is like if you build a great product that people are going to want to use and want to leverage like that's all that matters in the end so i'd strongly be mindful of like staying convicted on what you're looking to do um to the point like have a very unique vantage point and strong through point and really kind of focus on what that end product's going to be and try not to get too distracted about um you know kind of like the underlying pinnings and the politics around that yeah all right guys um i really appreciate jared ej uh you'll be hearing from all these guys all these companies i'm sure very very soon and uh we're excited to keep uh keep a close communication with you guys yeah thanks for having us drew um, all right, yeah great to great to connect with y'all appreciate it thanks everybody for joining
This has been a Red Beard Ventures production.